Welcome to Parlay Me Power Players. This is a podcast that explores the latest entrepreneurs, startups, founders, business leaders, and even enterprises that are changing the game. We call them the disruptors. You might see them as your mentors or maybe even your colleagues, but we are so excited to bring to you each week someone we find either fascinating, progressive, or someone that's really making changes in all kinds of industries. We are agnostic in what we cover, so we cover everything from mobility to AI to food and produce, you name it, we cover it. But most importantly, we want to showcase to you entrepreneurs really making a difference and make the world a better place. The art of negotiation seems to be in their DNA and their ability to turn a dilemma into an opportunity is a true talent. As entertaining and addictive as this series is, I am certainly addicted, these two women mean business. In each episode, these women tackle some of life's biggest challenges, whether it's to get a house or to get married. And often in today's competitive world, it's hard even for couples to get ahead. Many couples are faced with having to choose between one or the other. So it is the role of Nicole and Sarah to give them the best possible scenarios. Nicole selects three houses to wow the couples with options that fit within their allocated budget and hopefully dissuade them from a wedding entirely, while Sarah tries to win them over with three unforgettable wedding options also within the allocated budget, which is no easy task. Nicole ultimately tries to convince each couple to spend their life savings on a house, while Sarah is persuading them to put their money towards a big wedding. So between the two of them, they most certainly have their work cut out for them each and every episode. Whilst Nicole and Sarah seem to be polar opposites, their playful competitiveness has taken the series to one of the most watched Netflix series. A little bit about the two ladies, and they're here to tell us more about it themselves. But from my understanding, Nicole has been divorced twice and consequently finds herself a little bit of a skeptic, but still believes in the one, while Sarah is a self-described hopeless romantic. Nicole has more than 13 years' experience in the real estate industry. She's a broker in Nashville for a company called Parks. And before that, she was a realtor for Sotheby's International Realty, which is pretty swank. Um, Nicole grew up in Marion, Illinois, and uh, went on to become a second runner-up in the Miss USA pageant in 1995. She also won Miss Photogenic the same year and parlayed, yes, parlayed that title into a modelling career. And it's not her first time in front of the telly cameras either, people. She actually was a host for three years on the Shop at Home Network. Meanwhile, Sarah is a Nashville local, so to speak, a wedding planner extraordinaire and founder of Southern Vine and Company, a Nashville-based interior design and event planning company that specializes in Southern flair. So she's been married for over a decade and has two kids. Now, welcome, ladies, to Parlay Me Power Players podcast. Well, thank you so much. That was quite the introduction. I love it. I need to just, I need to have you say that all the time. Like, I love every bit of it. There will be people listening that know you guys, well, at least they know you guys from the from the series, and there'll be those that have never heard of you. So I just wanted to give a good, succinct understanding. So 
Um, so first up, so now something that you both have in common um, is your vibrant personalities. And I'd also say your vibrant red hair. You're both red. <laughs> um, can you perhaps tell our listeners today how two vibrant redheads ended up being co-hosts on a top Netflix series? And how did this opportunity come about or did you know each other before filming? We'd love to hear the story. Um, well, this is the fake redhead, Nicole, so I can't claim mine. <laughs> we all have a little fake going on. It's all a little bit of die happening, but that's all right. Um, so Sarah and I were actually cast together um, by the production company and we had known of each other living in the same town and you know, have similar friends and have been running in the same circles for years, but just never really made the connection until she came to my house for us to go on um, a, like a little a Skype or a Zoom interview for the production company. And it was then that I realized all of our connections and that you know, she has two golden retrievers and I have two golden retrievers. We have daughters the same age. She's got a son. Um, we just have parallel lives. We're very similar in a lot of ways, but also very different. And she was also planning my best friend's wedding at the time. And I didn't realize that. Wow. It's a small world. It's a, such a small world. Nashville is small. It's a bit, it's a small town too. Everybody knows each other in some way. It's crazy. I can so. imagine six degrees or perhaps two degrees there. Um, yeah. I'd, love, I'd love to know, did you guys, so that's interesting. So you didn't know each other as such, but you met during the casting process. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Did you both ever think that you'd be doing a job that influenced people's biggest decisions of their lives? Did you ever, <laughs> I mean, you're kind of doing it before the show, right? So when was, I'd love to hear from both of you, like when you got into this role and I guess when you, you realised the, the, I guess, how this show really influenced and affected people's lives. Well, gosh, I mean, this just showcased it on a global scale. I mean, this is what we do every day. So we are impacting, you know, one or two people at a time. But now that it's gone global, oh, my goodness, I'm getting so many emails and messages about with questions about real estate and finance and all this stuff. It's really mind boggling. It's been really cool, actually. It's wild. I mean, when the production team like reached out to Nicole and I separately, again, it's just, it, it was such a great concept and to be just doing something that we both love to do. And it's such a passion of both of ours, but just have cameras around again, it's all real. Like it's unscripted. This is real life. It really is a dilemma that each one of these couples brought to us to, to figure out, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was just our job to get to do it together and battle a little bit to try to figure out, you know, which one we wanted <laughs> or which one we thought was needed more for each couple, you know? <laughs> so yeah, but it was awesome. It's no easy task. I mean, my hat goes off to you because it's incredible. If you're listening to this cast, you have to watch the series because it's just like it really gets you every time. You're like you're egging for one and then the other and then you go between two. So I'd love to know, um, I guess, a little bit of Sarah. Um, wedding planner, wedding planning Sorry, is um, not just a job for you, but it's something you love doing. Um, what aspect do you love most? And can you share with us perhaps an area that you perhaps don't like so much <laughs> that we may not know? 
Sure. Um, well, I grew up in the design world with my mom. She's an interior designer in Atlanta, uh, Georgia, and still is to this day. And I just basically got thrown into it as a little girl and it stuck. And I, you know, just have such a passion for design. And that's kind of where the interior design side comes as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the design part of weddings is probably my favorite because I love creating these moments and these days that are unique to each one of my couples and just throwing in, you know, what's important to them. But um, I guess fluffing it a little bit more where it's, you know, creating these visions and something that's unique for everybody on its own. But that would probably be my favorite part. Least favorite part? Oh, I don't know. I mean, when it rains. <laughs> I don't know. When, you, when it rains outside and you have an outdoor ceremony, that's, that's probably the least part. Okay. Least favorite part. But everything else is, again, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't love every part of it. It really is. It's a passion. There's so much that goes into it about fulfillment on my end as well. Just seeing, you know, my clients just ecstatic or glowing on their wedding. So it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're sharing the most important day of the lives of people. I can imagine it's super rewarding um, and emotional. Um, Nicole, it looks like you love real estate and finding people their forever home, so to speak. Your passion really shines through too. So um, can you perhaps share with us what you love most and, again, perhaps what you may not like most? (laughs) Um, I think what I like most is just helping these individuals find this place where they can put down roots, where they can grow a family, where they can start their future together. That's incredibly rewarding. And um, I guess the thing that I like the least is probably couples that are not on the same page and can't get on the same page. And then I'm a little bit of a marriage counselor or a couple's counselor. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That makes your job twice as hard. I can imagine because you're trying to please different, different things. Do that. Yeah, I totally get it. So um, at Parlay Me, we always, we're always talking to entrepreneurs, founders and investors who have had failures and they've had also big wins. I mean, it's, a roller coaster, right? So, with this in mind, how do you keep motivated? Um, you know, it's down to the why. I've watched some episodes where Nicole, it's like you guys, you know, you put you put um, offers in, and they might go through or they might not for the dream house and the wedding options, and the client, you, you know, you go one path and then the client goes in a completely different direction. So, any tips, I guess, for listeners, just general, like how you keep positive and persevere when I guess the odds seem against you. I mean, Nicole, you can start if you want, but I was just going to say, I mean, it, it's t- the real estate market's so much different than the wedding yeah. market, you know? I mean, the biggest thing on my end is just, again, setting expectations at the beginning and making sure that our clients are aware of that and it, it, the budget. The budget's the biggest thing. It's like come open-minded, but come in to the wedding planning process with a budget in mind and don't go over. You know, if you're going to go over, of course, you're going to have upsets and heartbreak and things like that because spending a lot of money, it's, it's, it's emotional, yeah. you know? But um, yeah, I think just having an idea, being comfortable with a budget that's not putting you out of your means in the wedding planning process. Right. Well, and it's very similar, honestly, in the real estate world in that you have to manage those expectations again. And you can't, unlike weddings where thing is everything is like driven by emotion, it seems like, you need to be exactly opposite of that when you're house hunting. You can't get attached to anything right up front. Just wait, be patient. Um, Just keep your head above water and keep looking forward. And if we don't find you or if we don't get that house that you thought was the dream house, there's always going to be another one come along. So you just have to 
keep your head up and keep looking, especially in this type of market right now that we're experiencing in middle Tennessee. It's gone a little bonkers. Yeah. And I can imagine with the show, um, it's shed even more light on it. And um, we say bonkers, I can imagine more people are gravitating towards the area. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. We're seeing so many California and New York license plates every day, which mm. we're not, I'm not complaining. I mean, it's keeping the business and the economy going. I'm happy about all of it. More power uh, to them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they everyone made a kind of big exodus from the big cities. And I mean, Nashville is still a big city. But um, something I guess I want to talk about kind of, I guess, a dynamic between you both, because at the end of the day, it's a competition of sorts, right? Like right. Um, a healthy competition. Um, so sometimes, you know, competition can also be destructive, you know, so how competitive are you? Both? And how do you keep um? How do, you, how do you keep that healthy balance? You seem to have a lot of fun with what you do. Um, how much does humour help along the way? <laughs> it's everything. I think um, we know each other's personalities pretty well and we know how far we can take it and to where to pull back. But at the end of the day, we love and respect each other beyond anything else. And I would never do anything to truly hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, you just have to know there's this uh, camaraderie between us, sisterly love that goes on. That there's no way something like this show is going to get in between that. So yeah, and as much as we do want to compete, and of course, you know, I want to have all the weddings, and Nicole might want to have all the houses. Like at the end of the day, it's all about what's important and what's the most right step or the best step for the client at the time. Right. Like, you'll see that on the show. Like you know we support each other. We support the client in their decision. I mean, it is, it's supposed to be a feel good show and it's, it's about competition, but it's also about like, Hey, where are they at in their lives right now? And what will be the best decision for both of them? And they choose, they choose the right ways. You know, sometimes we, we both get mind boggled by which way they are going to choose. I know Nicole gets more mind boggled than I do. Yeah. (laughs) I want to choose a house every time. I don't get it. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I mean, again, it's all about having fun together. And that's what I think makes us and makes the show is because we do support each other so much and we love and we laugh along the way. You know, we have all the emotions and things like that, but we support each other. So it's great. For sure. That's that's brilliant. And and something, I guess, um, you know, Nashville is almost like a character in the series, um, the place, right? And, yeah. You know, Nicole, uh, you're a well-known top realtor there. Sarah, you're like the dream maker, wedding planner there, and you seem to know everyone about town. So um, can you tell us, I guess, what makes Nashville such a special and unique place to set a show like this? I think it's just how close everyone is. Like people are genuinely kind and nice here, and they will go out of their way to help a stranger on the street. And it's just that good old Southern hospitality that you hear so much about. I'm from Illinois originally. So, you know, I still, I've been down here longer than I was in Illinois, but I'm still called a Yankee. And that's, (laughs) I'm okay with that. It's fine. But people are just so genuinely kind down here in Nashville. It's amazing. It's a unique city. It really is. There's no other city like it. I mean, I'm from, I grew up in Atlanta. So, I mean, I love Atlanta too. It's just, again, Nashville stands out on its own. It's from the people to the places to everything that makes the city its own. It's it's incredible. I mean, from the wedding side, the vendors alone and the locations of venues and, you know, what they have to offer that's so different than any other place. It's, it's incredible. And, and 
I guess I have to ask, how long do you have to be in Nashville to be, um, you, I don't know what you call a Nashville resident. It's a, a New Yorker. What do you call a Nashville? Uh, I don't know. But how yeah, long do you millions, of course. <laughs> millions. There you go. Um, yeah, is there a time frame? They say in New York it's seven years until you're a New Yorker. Is there kind of a time in, in Nashville? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. I think me hitting the 20 year mark, that's definitely in. I'm so in. I'm so a Nashvillian now. <laughs> I'm right at what? I'm right at uh, almost 10 years, nine, 10 years. Yeah, going on nine, right? Yeah, so I should be. Uh, yeah, I, said, I would say definitely by the decade point, you're a Nashvillian, yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, good, good. So I, I would say that you both seem to have to deal with not only the financial constraints of the couples, but also equally their personal constraints. Um, and we've we've seen some of the some of the guests that you have, um, you know, they have infertility issues or they're overcoming some kind of adversity. I guess my question is like, how do you approach this in regards to like getting close but not too close? Because at the end, it is you know, I don't want to say it's a business transaction, but it is of sorts. So I guess my yeah question is kind of a roundabout one, but how do you, I guess, not get too emotionally invested? You know, I don't think there's any, there's no such thing as <laughs> too emotionally invested when it comes to your clients. These are people, um, especially in Sarah's uh, wedding world, you know, everything is driven by emotion there. And then you can't help but connect with these clients. Um, when you're house hunting, you're finding out personal things about them. They're so open and honest on the show. And as you mentioned, you know, we hear about infertility issues and past marriages and, you know, infidelities that happened prior to. And I mean, it's just, they've really opened themselves up. So I don't think you can get too um, close with your client. I I kind of relish that. And the closer I am to them, I feel like the harder I work for them because the more I'm rooting for them and want to find them that perfect house. I agree. I feel like it, we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we actually didn't create these relationships and get to know them and dig down deep as much as we do because on the house side, same thing. Like Nicole has to find them what their dream house is. And until she really gets to know them, she might not know that. And same thing on the wedding side. It's like, I want to create these special unique moments that showcase my couples unless I really do get to know them and then they can trust me emotionally and everything. It just won't work. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm with my clients for a really long time. I better get to know them within a year <laughs> sometimes too. They become, but everybody from the show, like on your question, if Nicole and I, you know, if they chose house or, or wedding, whichever way they did, Nicole and I still talk to all of these people. Like they're still friends. They're still clients. Right. Like, I planned their weddings. Nicole sold them houses. So again, that's going to be hopefully a lifelong relationship or something passed down where, you know, we still keep in touch. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, so my next question, I, I love that. I love that because yeah, I always have um, a thing about, you know, whether you get too emotionally involved. I think you're right with what you guys are doing. It's the biggest, biggest things they're probably ever going to do in their life. You need to be emotionally invested. So right. Um, so, uh, Steve Jobs, we all know Steve Jobs, he, he once said, um, some people say, give the customers what they want, but people don't know what they want until you show them. So my question is, how much do you think it's true? Like how much do I guess, because people come to weddings or the thought of their wedding or the thought of the house with a lot of preconceived ideas and dreams. So how much do that, that actually dictate, um, you know, what, what, how the, yeah, the outcome, I guess, um, no matter what, how mind blowing options you give them. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 
you know, I think budget has a lot to do with it. So they come to you with this dream wedding or this dream house, but then the budget isn't going to support that. So mm-hmm. it's up to me and Sarah to work within that budget and find them the best case scenario. So mm-hmm. again, it kind of goes back to managing their expectations. Um, they will have a pie in the sky version and you just get to show them maybe um, a, one that they can afford, the, the pie that they can afford in the sky. And um, that seems to really work out well. I mean, I haven't had too much trouble with that. Sometimes you have to think out of the box. For instance, there was a couple that I was just striking out with every house that I showed them. Um, she had a pretty lengthy list and he was getting ready to be shipped off uh overseas, like he's going off the the military. And so he wanted her to be protected and close to family. So what we ended up doing was um, settling on a plot of land and they built their dream home because we couldn't find one to check all of our boxes. So you just have to think think outside of the box at times. I love that episode. I love that episode. That was brilliant. They were so sweet. Mm-mm. that's great yeah think outside the box I mean, with the wedding same thing come to us with the budget but we have to take that back and you know kind of curate and find some really fun ways to sway them over because there's a lot of stuff that clients don't think that they can afford and it's my job to maximize their budget and talk you know more about smart money versus dumb money you know what what's important to them and you know kind of scale back in the other areas absolutely we'll talk about i guess scaling back or ex so to speak in business in our personal lives we all have what we call I guess deal breakers or boundaries um and having expectations is obviously always important um but what I guess is maybe perhaps the most obscure or strange deal breakers you've had like i.e like someone that didn't want the house because say I I think one of your episodes like the shower pressure wasn't strong enough like you know on the wedding I know the flowers were the wrong shade of pink like has there, and you know, obviously you're not going to name anyone, it can be, um, but has there been something where you've gone, oh dear, like this is just the most strangest deal breaker or, or, or you know, a deal breaker which, is, which you think is quite um, valid? <laughs> wow. In real estate, you meet all kinds of personalities and all kinds of people. Um, and I specifically, this isn't anything that happened on the show, but I will just never forget this couple. They came to me looking um, for a unit in a luxury high rise, um, a concierge building, like a beautiful building. And I noticed that when I went to shake her hand, she kind of skittered away from me. So I'm like, oh, okay. And this is far, this is like years ago, beyond any, before any epidemic or anything like that, right? Where you still could shake hands and hug people without them thinking you're weird. So, so I'm like, okay, well, she's got her own personal space. That's fine. I get that. Uh, we, we head to the elevator um, because we have to go up to like the 14th floor or something. And uh, she wants to know if we could take the stairs possibly because she doesn't like elevators. Hmm. Uh, thank, thank goodness for me and my health. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no, we can't. That's for emergencies only. So we have to take the elevator up. Yeah. So she was okay with that. We get into the unit and we're looking around. She walks over and she starts smelling. It's a it's an unfurnished unit. Oh, Smelling the drywall, smelling the corners of the unit. Oh. Then she went to the bathroom and she was like, oh, this won't do. This won't do. So apparently she has these these little hiccups that 
she needed to be able to see a window if she was sitting in the bathtub and she had to be facing a certain direction. No. I swear. I cannot make this up. I can't make this stuff up. Oh, God. I just said, you know, it's possible that you could rearrange the bathroom, um, but I'm just not sure that this is going to be the perfect fit for you because you can't take the, you know, you can't take the stairs every day. You're going to have to take an elevator daily. And if you're not okay with that. No. it's yeah. You meet some some things from different individuals. <laughs> you can't please everyone. That's what you can't. And I'm not throwing anybody no. under the bus that has issues or idiosyncrasies. Everybody's got their things, right? I get it. It was just that building was clearly not going to be a good fit for her to live in. Oh, um, all of the parameters we had to put on it. Absolutely. I know my parents had a restaurant for years and people would come in and say, um, like, it's like picking the menu. Like, I want this, but I don't want that. But I do want this, but I do want that. And at the end of the day, it's like, you just shouldn't have that meal. Customize <laughs> <laughs> your own meal. Something else entirely. Um, <laughs> So when it comes to building, oh, well, actually, no, I would like to, if you can, Sarah, would you be able to comment? Because I know with weddings, it's, there's huge deal breakers. Um, and I'm sure you have some some experience in that. <laughs> with some- well, on the show, the ranch fountain with Precious was a deal breaker, which I thought was hilarious. It really was crazy. That, that Honestly, that's that's crazy to me, that whole thing. I've never seen a ranch fountain before, but it worked out. <laughs> that was the deal maker for her, wasn't it? That was <laughs> It was a deal maker, and then she had to change some stuff so she was able to get that thing. But yeah, there was it was hilarious to see that. But um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like in weddings, there's always going to be yeah. crazy, you know, um, things that my clients ask for. But it's it's up to me, I guess, if we can fit it into budget or not. Like we're planning a wedding right now that my clients have to have a Ferris wheel at. Oh, so that's a little crazy, <laughs> just because it's a very, very, very big liability as well. So there's a lot of other things that go into it. So wow. again, it's a deal breaker. Like they picked a venue because of it and the venue's going to allow it. And now it's just up to me to jump through all the hoops to try to figure it out. So full on. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're making dreams come true. Like I said, so, um, when it comes to, I guess, you know, we work with obviously a lot of startups when they're building their business. And when you, when you start a business, there's lots of business plans, financials, you have to be very dedicated. I guess my question is like, how much do people really need to be? Cause when you do a wedding or a mortgage, it seems like people kind of just jump into it and they don't really realize how much planning kind of goes into it. So is it something where you think you can be, I guess, underprepared or can you be overprepared or is there like a sweet spot? <laughs> well, on the wedding side, I mean, definitely a year out, I feel like is that good sweet spot. That sounds like to book two years out, but honestly, there's so many different things that change within two years and it's, it's, it's just it's the waiting game basically so typically that one year is a really really good sweet spot on my end yeah and in real estate once you're under contract you typically if you have a loan in place you'll be closing at approximately 30 days of course that can be negotiated to 60 or 90 depending on the buyers and the sellers and whatnot but um it's it's the looking that's going to be taking a little bit more time than the actual uh contract to close when it comes to real estate. So it's just making sure that I'm narrowing down and the first couple of weeks, honestly, or the depending, I don't want to say weeks, the first few times I should say that I'm taking clients out and showing them properties. It's almost learning more about what they don't want in a home as it is what they do want. 
because um, inevitably you're going to see things that you haven't discussed that they told you that they would be okay with, but then they see it and they're like, yeah, no, I don't really think I do want a bathroom on that floor. Or, you know, I don't want to be separated from the kiddos and I want all of the um, bedrooms on one floor or something like that. So yeah, you learn through all the, um, all the house showings and, and everything. So it's always, it's always something new and always something interesting for sure. It is fascinating. Um, both your jobs, cause you just really get, you meet so many different people from all walks of life. So talk about your life decisions. Um, you've both been married. You know, you understand what, you know, marriage is about, making compromises. And um, I guess how did you prepare for when you guys, I guess, got married to your significant others? And I guess if you purchased houses, how, how was it for you? Did you do it spontaneously or did you plan it for a long time? Plan it for a long time. <laughs> this is Sarah. I mean, my husband and I were together, oh my gosh, probably 10 years before he proposed, maybe more. I think it was 12, to be honest with you, right around there. So we, we grew up in high school and stuff together and then went to college and started dating. And um, then he finally proposed, God, 10 years later. And then we planned, <laughs> oh yes, forever. My dad hated him for that. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he proposed and we planned our wedding for about a year and it was tough. I mean, my dad, just like what you see on the show, like he gave me a, a budget and he said, listen, take this X amount of dollars and you can either put it down on a house for your future with, with Chris or you can plan a wedding. And of course I chose a wedding. I was like, you know, the hopeless romantic I am. I always wanted a big wedding and we got married destination down at the beach with 150 of our friends and family. And it was amazing. I loved it every every bit of it. So yeah, and then you know took the next steps after uh, marriage and moved to Nashville. And then you know we rented a house, we got pregnant, and then we bought here. So yeah, here we are today. There you go, <laughs> wrapped up in a pretty little bow. Isn't that fabulous? Yeah, I feel like I <laughs> the picture perfect of a Southern belle. Mine has more twists and turns. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot that goes on between. So that means you've been with your partner 20 years, if I'm guessing. No longer your high school sweethearts. Yeah, we are. So, yeah, my husband is just turned 40, and I'm, I'll am i be 38 next week. And he, uh, yeah, we've been together since right out of high school. I love it. I love it that you say we got pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I should say just me because he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> we had a little something to do with it in the beginning. Yeah, a little bit. Just a little. Uh. And how about you, Nicole? Um, how did you go about planning your wedding? And uh, So the fine? first wedding was very extravagant and large. And I was 30 at the time. We had been together for three years when we got engaged. And he was in the military. So he had already been deployed twice. Um, I felt like we had seen like the junk of life um, with deployments and things like that. Uh, but we had the big wedding. My dad also came to me and said, do you want the house payment or the big down payment on the house? Or do you want two matching luxury cars in the driveway? And I was like, I have to have my big day, daddy. Yes. Yeah. Huge mistake. Huge. Um, so it was a lovely wedding. It was a beautiful reception at a you know five-star hotel here in Nashville. It was, everything was gorgeous. However, the marriage only lasted six years. Um, on the, on the, subsequently, on his next deployment, he met his current wife. <laughs> okay. okay. So there's that. 
Um, and we actually built a house together that they're now living in, but that's fine. Um, and I was divorced for about three or four years when I met my second husband and is the father of my daughter. And I learned after the first wedding, like not to spend all of that money. So I did learn my lesson and we just went to the courthouse uh, and got married and had my daughter and she is amazing, but we got divorced about before she was two years old. Mm-hmm. So um, here I am again, three years, three years post. Love yeah. It. Love it. Well, <laughs> you do believe in, in, uh, in love though. So I'm sure I there'll do. be. I'm just not sure that I believe in the institution of marriage because after all, it is an institution. <laughs> it's a contract. That's for sure. It's really fascinating. Thank you for sharing that with me, ladies. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, from from weddings and mortgages to pandemics, um, how has it been filming uh, during these really trying times? I guess obviously wedding capacity has gone down, economic fallout, people don't have as much money as they used to, all that horrible stuff. But, yeah, how have, I guess, you navigated these times? Um, you were filming during COVID or just before or how did it work? Before. Okay. Yeah, we, we filmed in later end of 2019, right before any of that hit. Um, we finished filming up with all the couples. And then the only things that fell into 2020 were the, the people that chose weddings because wow. we actually had to plan their wedding. So that was going to – honestly, all of them were supposed to be in March, April, and May, and then COVID hit in March. So all of everything got changed to wow. that year, but the very, very – like end of the year so again it was tough a lot of you know some of the weddings from sizes to locations to you know anything it could be changed a lot a few different times but they still had their beautiful day that they wanted it just was you know maybe minimized a little bit for protocols and all that kind of stuff but we did it in a safe way the best way that we could yes yeah. Well, yeah. I would just like to interject that all of the very astute financial couples that chose a home were quarantining <laughs> in their beautiful homes that I found for them. They didn't have to downsize in their home. They didn't have to, you know, scale back on anything. Yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> crazy, crazy. For a moment. I love you all. I love it. I love it. You guys have got to keep keep up the uh, banter for sure. Keep it. Keep it. <laughs> Um, speaking of banter, I guess, um, you both have full-time jobs and, I mean, marriage or mortgage. Um, have you kept balance or kept the both? And I guess it seems like you're always, you're always looking to fill other people's cups, so to speak. How? So I guess for those listening, any advice you have for, like, relaxing, if you get time for that, um, unwinding techniques, or how do you fill your own cup? Like, what are your strategies? Oh, um, I mean, I have two kids that I have to keep up with. So I feel like between sports and trying to go to the lake and just trying to take some travel time is, is my big thing. It's hard for me to turn work off. And my husband knows mm-hmm. that very, very hard. But I, I have to, you know, after a certain time of day, I just had to learn how to do it because, again, it's my family and they grow up very, very kids grow up very, very fast. So the blink of an eye, they'll be driving cars, which I don't want right now. So. <laughs> Totally, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm kind of in the same boat. I've got my five-year-old and she's in all the sports and all the, you know, we've got tutoring after school and all the different things going on. Um, 
But I'm very fortunate in that her father is very hands-on and helps a ton. And he also did the same while we were filming. Those long filming days would be eating into my uh, personal time with Aria. Um, but I will say that the network did an amazing job, or the production company did an amazing job to work around our everyday lives and our real jobs and our kiddos and everything. So it wasn't too much of, <laughs> of a hardship while we were filming. We had so much fun every single day. And I think something that Sarah and I both enjoy um, that you see quite a bit on uh, camera is that we enjoy our cocktails and our champagne. And so <laughs> that helps us unwind a little bit. And I also am uh, very cognizant of taking little short vacations with girlfriends or, you know, close friends to the beach or things like that, just to get out of town for, even if it's for just two or three Definitely. days, it's worth it. No, 100%. Yeah. So um, we have two, oh no, we have three more questions. We're nearly there. So um, is there, an, we always say an entrepreneur, but in your case, you can name a realtor or you can name a wedding plan or you can, it can be someone you just know. It can be someone in your family, but I guess someone that's inspired you in your life um, for what I guess embodies being an entrepreneur or being, I guess, a visionary of some sort. Um, again, it could be like a Richard Branson or it could be someone or, uh, in your family yeah. or something. I'm going to jump in, Sarah, if that's okay. And I'm just going to have to say it's my parents. Yeah. Um, my, I come from a background, a very close-knit type family from Southern Illinois, and I'm the baby of four kids. It's funny to say, I'm 47. I'm still referred to as the baby of the family. That's weird. Oh. <laughs> that's what we say. And um, I... My family had a 113-year-old family-owned construction company that when my dad retired, that's how old it was, 113 years old. And then when my dad and my mom took it over back in the early 70s, my dad made my mom, talk about a visionary, made my mom um, 51% owner in the company. Okay. How cool is that? And she was there every day doing the books and, you know, answering phones. And they also had properties that she would show, um, apartment complexes and things like that, that she would solely run. And she still went home and made dinner and everybody ate dinner by five o'clock, all four of us at the dining room table. Like, I don't know how she did it. I can barely handle one child, um, and half of the workload or a quarter of the workload that she had. And it's beyond me how she did it. So, and then I would always love to listen to sit outside the conference room door and listen to my dad talk to uh, prospective business clients about, you know, their commercial building and what he could and couldn't do. And I was always so proud that he never really pulled any punches. He was just always so honest. If they had something that um, wasn't going to be feasible in their budget or in their plan, you know, he just was like, I'm sorry, I'm not your guy. I can't do this. If you can find someone to do that for this, then, you know, go for it. But, um, yeah, I do think I had amazing role models growing up. So it would be my parents that always taught me to, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, go out there and make it for yourself and don't rely on anybody else to do it for you. So Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Wow, they sound like extraordinary people. Yeah. Great foundation. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Thanks. And how about yourself, Sarah? Do you have a... Um, someone that stands out to you? Yeah, I would say probably the same thing. I would say my mom, just because she, again, kind of threw me into, I think, who I am today. We're almost identical. She's my best friend. I love her more than anything. But she's been that rock through, like, my entire life. My parents got divorced when I was in, um, uh, like, late middle school. And, you know, my dad had moved away. And my mom, you know, went back into full-time design job on her own. She owns her own company, but really kind of had to 
go back into it full swing while taking care of my brother and myself and, you know, going through high school and, and that time of age with two kids is never fun. Um, wow. But yeah, I mean, she worked, she worked her butt off. She, you know, she got us through school and through college and, you know, supported us along the way and every single thing that we ever needed. And um, I mean, when, even when we were filming here, she still lives in Atlanta. She, um, she moved up here for about a year and a half. She was going through another really bad divorce, but she moved up here to be with me and my family to support during the show and, you know, just kind of help kick off the rest of our company and, and, you know, do all those little tiny things. But yeah, she's a hundred percent my backbone, like more like just with my husband and my two kids, she's just such a great addition to be around every single day. Like I love her more than anything. So I would say, yeah, my mom. 100%. I've been fortunate enough to meet her on several occasions. She's pretty fantastic. <laughs> She's a hoot. She's a wild one. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I think if anything, the pandemic has even made us appreciate our families even more, right? It's right. Just, Absolutely. Everyone's kind of had to step up. Um, so um, really quickly, we, we aren't endorsing gambling here, a bit of a segue, but if you were gambling women, um, and I'm not saying you are, but if you were, uh, would you be a blackjack, a roulette, or a poker player? Oh, I'd, I'd say poker. Me too. Get <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Game> on. <laughs> yeah, I like the um, the keep the cards close to your chest, yes. and yeah, the trying to trick people. I like that. <laughs> I love card games. Love card Look, games. Over here, now don't look here. Yes, I love it. Um, <laughs> we always ask that question because we think it's interesting, kind of the type of kind of business person you might be. We think roulettes, you know, obviously a lot of uh, luck. I mean, there is obviously um, there's not much skill when it comes to gambling, but there right. is luck too. So final question, and then I'll let you ladies get on with your lives. Um, but will there be a season two? Can you say? We're all wanting one. Um can you can do you know or can you share? We don't know. I yet. wish we knew. I haven't heard. Sarah, if you know and I don't, I'm gonna be very upset. I listen, we are crossing our fingers every single day. I mean, this is it's something honestly that goes through my brain every morning and every night. So we're we're yeah. hoping that we get a season two. We just haven't heard anything yet. Yeah. They like to they like to like the suspense. Oh yeah. Apparently, yes. Yeah, they're telling us. <laughs> so please keep watching and tell everyone to keep watching and streams yeah. happening. Yes, it's on Netflix, those listening that don't know, season one is on there now. I have if I if I was a gambling woman, um, I would say that there will be season two, but that's just my hunch. Um, nothing more. I want to thank you both, ladies, so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute hoot to hear your stories, and I love you guys sharing your amazing uh, personalities and determination and experience with us all the time through your show. So keep doing it. Um, I'm a I'm a number one fan. And I just thank, thank you so much for joining us oh today. Thank you for having us. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, that was a blast. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.